You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 15 of That's Awesome. I'm here with Josh. Today is actually Tuesday the 25th, even though I know this comes out Thursday the 27th. Usually we record these on uh, the day before, but I'm flying. I'll be on a plane tomorrow going back home for my sister's wedding. So not going to be able to do that, so we're doing it today. So... Josh, how's it going? What's new? Not much. Yep, knew that was coming. <laughs> what about you? Uh, not too well. much, man. Besides the uh, the travel coming up, um, just getting everything organized and ready to do that is, I don't know, man. I hate like packing and shit because I always feel like I'm forgetting something, and then I sometimes feel like I'm bringing too much. And like, especially for something like this, when there's actually something important I have to do when I get there, I get like all stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this morning, Jess and I went to go get our COVID tests. Uh, at have you have you gotten a test? No. Nope. Yeah, I, I that was the first How one was I it? had done, and it was at Elysian Park, and I just like had to wipe the inside of my mouth with like a big Q-tip and give it back to him pretty much it was painless it was like oh. 15 minutes i was in and out it was great oh. i never even had to get out of my car at least they did the i didn't know they did the mouth ones now i thought it was still the nose i think thing they, i mean i thought it was too but i know they maybe it's more like conclusive if it's the nose one i don't know but yeah it was yeah. fine got in at 8 a.m back to the house by nine and I think I'm in a good place as far as packing goes. The thing that's like a pain in the ass with it is like migrating all of the things I've done on my desktop to my laptop now. Like all the new plugins I've gotten for recording stuff and all that shit is like – because I haven't had to use my laptop at all because I haven't left the house. Mm-hmm. you know. So that's yeah. like <laughs> been a huge pain is like doing all that shit. So – um. So that's been my day so far. <laughs> um, I actually have done some stuff this week now that I'm thinking about it. We, uh, we've been in the studio recording some new tunes, um, which is exciting. I'm excited to actually get some of these songs that uh, you know we've been working on and changing parts on. And it's like Frankenstein versions of the song in my computer right now. I'm excited to get like the real takes down and hear what it actually sounds like so that's been fun i'll unfortunately have to take a two-week break from that now just as we get started but whatever um so let's talk about tomorrow or tomorrow for the people listening Uh, i can't tell you exactly what it is but just stay tuned for tomorrow it's stuff that we've been working on and coordinating over the past I mean, it's, I'd say like the conversation first started a couple months ago, right? So yeah. it's been a while. So we're excited. Um, expect to hear a lot more from us on all sorts of social media stuff. And hopefully we'll be able to do some like more collaborative stuff too. So stay tuned. 
keep an eye out tomorrow. Um, and again, thank thank you everyone who's been, you know, part of our family since we've started. Um, anything you want to add to that? It's kind of hard to uh, like say anything about it without giving it away. Yeah. Um, throne people will probably know first. So right, if you want to know first, join throne. Yeah. Josh, there he is. <laughs> Producer Josh, getting the people in where they need to be. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yes. Great segue, dude. <laughs> Let's talk about throne a little bit. Um, throne's been great. It's been really fun. Um, Josh, why don't you give an update on what's been going on in, in Throne? Um, we did like a live stream the other day. It was just us talking about whatever. I think people sent in questions, right? I forgot already. Yeah, we did. yeah. Um, we had all of our yeah. me- so we just had people sending questions and stuff. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, we've been planning stuff. The chips are coming in in a couple of days, by the way. Right. We're so. going to torture ourselves with some very, very <laughs> spicy chips. So if you want to see us try to do things while we're in pain, uh, you can join our Throne chat. Uh, Throne, by the way, when we say Throne, if you don't know, it's an app or a website. It's Throne.live, or you can download the app, uh, and it's available on iOS and Android. Uh, it is our only thing we're doing behind a paywall right now. It's $7 a month and it gives you access to our behind the scenes kind of open forum chat that we're very, uh, active in as well as some of our guests, which will be joining that chat soon as well. Uh, we do exclusive content there, maybe some extra interviews coming up or extended interviews. I know there's going to be some cool content that some of the people that I've spoken to have been, are going to post in there themselves. Um, we are doing the giveaway soon, so now is your last chance. You have a couple days to get in there before we do the drawing. Um, we have – actually, right now, we have like f- four things to give away. Um, and I don't know yet if we'll do some of them in yeah. a package or not, but we, we're getting a giveaway item almost every week right now. And I actually have another one in the mail on the way, Josh, that you don't know about, um, which is pretty cool. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so lots of giveaways. So honestly, we're giving away uh, – man, I want to say in the first week of this happening, like – or at least uh, first couple weeks of it, like you know, us being active and trying to figure out giveaways, close to like $200 in merch and stuff. So it's going to be pretty sweet. So if you're into uh, the bands that we've had on before, there's some potential to get some merch from them. Um, we are also the, the, I have those ice nine kills crew shirts, uh, which do not exist publicly. I think there was only like 10 of them ever made. Um, and I know everyone that has one. So if you want to be one of the people that I don't know, or the only person I don't know that has one, join the throne chat and you'll have the chance to do it. Um, and that we're going to do a drawing for in a couple days and we'll do that on a live stream as well. So And the drawing will be entertaining. We'll do something stupid. Well, you'll do something stupid and I'll laugh at you while you do it. That sounds great. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I actually you just made me think of a video that I'm gonna put into the throne chat when we when we do this. Just some stupid thing that I made one time. It's very dumb and it, and it could be a way that we could do the drawing. And it, it will be good. Um all right, let's talk about this week's guest. So this week we had on Scott Waldman, who is has been around in the industry for a while. Uh, he was a musician. He was touring before, playing in bands. He was signed to a major label at one point. Uh, he's an artist manager, uh, a producer, an engineer manager, and he is also um, the host of Waldman's Words, which is a podcast that I've listened to. Uh, several times over the past who have had some of the same guests as us and actually a lot of people as you'll find out um, that I know personally that I didn't know he knew you know so we talked about uh, a lot of that how small world it is and and just heard his story Um, yeah I think this is another good episode for people to kind of understand the behind the scenes thing I I even learned some new things in in this one because you know, when you think manager, you usually think the guy dealing with the personalities and the bands. 
but he does a lot of work in dealing with the guys that produce the guys do you, you know that are hard to deal with so someone that's usually i would say like engineers and producers usually are the people that are guiding the band through that experience so a manager of like the recordings essentially so having another layer behind that is something that's interesting and um kind of cool right does that yeah. sum that up well i think so okay cool um so yeah josh anything you want to add before we send it to the interview did i cover all the things i think so all right cool so we won't hold it up anymore let's send it over to scott Turning on uh, Do Not Disturb here, so no one. Oh, dude, I always forget to do that. Um, Last interview I did, I was getting like FaceTime calls on my computer, so it was ringing in my ears with my guests too, and it was, it was good. Very pro of you, man. Oh, very pro. Also, you can probably tell I'm using a microphone that I should not be using right now because my other one, as of this morning, is not working properly. So. Oh crap. Yeah, but it's all good. We're 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 hanging in there. We're doing it for COVID, you know. Yeah, man, COVID's great. Yeah. Hello, Josh. Hello. Um, I can't hear you. Oh, you took a snapshot. Oh yeah. Oh, Josh is my. Yeah, Josh is our. Um, I want to call. I want to start calling you like our producer, but he's like social media manager too. So he's kind of hangs in on the podcast just to make sure things aren't. I'm not messing things up the whole time. No. I don't think you will. Oh, I appreciate um, you. After this show, just to let you know, after this, um, I haven't gotten a haircut since February. Me neither. So we hired someone, and it's actually like just as expensive as going to a barbershop outside to come over and cut our hair. So, really? There you go. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, I need it. I do um, too, all man. Right. All right. So um, first off, thank you for coming on. Um, you are – one of the few people that um, I've had on the podcast that I don't have like a pretty deep rapport with. So, um, but these are honestly have been my favorite ones so far to just k- kind of get to know someone and, and hear their story and everything. So, um, like a really long first date. Yeah, yeah, and and you can't leave otherwise you look like a dick in front I mean, of like hundreds of people. You know, right? I mean, that'd be really, really like a dick move. Like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna do your show. By the way, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have 11, so we're good. All right, cool. So, um, I figured. Also, first off, um, so I I know you from your podcast primarily, honestly. I like, love. Yeah, and and I I've heard like to be honest with you, I've I've heard maybe a few episodes here and there over the past couple of years, but this morning I decided I need to learn more about you, so I binged like four episodes. So. I feel like I have I'm a, sorry. a, a, a pre- <laughs> no, it's great. I had like uh, I feel like I have an idea of who you are, but I also realized as I was going through all your episodes that um, our world is a lot smaller uh, than I had originally thought. In that, like we've had the same guests. We, well, one, we've had some of the same guests, and two, like even some of the people that I wouldn't have expected you, and I bet you may not even know that I was closer with. Um, on your podcast, people like um, John Ferrara and Mike Naren. Uh, I managed one. Yeah, um, I just obviously like Ricky was wasn't as long term, but he's awesome. Like I'm a huge fan of Ricky. Mm-hmm. This or this or the Ice Nine Kills, right? But I can tell you that John is wonderful, and just because of COVID, it's it really killed his career. So um, he's stopping for a oh, bit, but hopefully. Damn. Yeah, but I got, I, I mean, John has been, a, I've known John for a long time because my old band toured with Trophy Scars forever ago, and we've been in touch ever since. Like, I got to stop by his studio and stuff. For those of you that don't know, John Farrar is a producer, engineer in New Jersey, also guitar player Correct. for, sorry? 
he's on the pulse of Threshold. He's yeah. my heart. <laughs> and uh, he's the um, guitarist of um, Trophy Scars as well, who just put out a new single last month that was pretty great. Um, yep. But I, I kind of want to, I would love to start by kind of learning about, you know, what got you involved in music early on, um, just to hear your journey, because you're the first person we've had on that hasn't been active in a band right now. And, and you're more on the industry side of things. But I know before you were a performer as well, right? So I'd love well, yeah, to I hear mean, like that transitionary kind of thing. What's that? You're a fair, right? Yeah. First, yeah. yeah. But uh, that's my heart. And oh, it makes wow. sense that with the trophy guys because yeah. they're weird as fuck too. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> I moved to LA in 2003. I'm 39. Despite having the hair of a 14 year old, I'm 39. <laughs> and I joined a band called the City Drive. And okay. within a year and a few months, we signed with Columbia. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I used to be in like a warp tour esque band. Like I would always tell people it was kind of like if uh, all American rejects and simple plan had a baby and we played warped in Oh six. And that was a good year for warped. Yeah. And, uh, and we, um, released an album, released an EP and I quit that band in 2007. And a week after I quit, they got dropped. Not cause I quit, but I used but to tell you myself. Can, yeah. Yeah. We'll take it. It's just, it was cause of you. <laughs> yeah it's because your hat matches my shirt that's got to be it <laughs> yeah and if i say it that's true um so you you went very awesome. f- fairly quickly from major label warp tour and then just nothing after that or were you already kind of uh, moving towards something else no i uh <laughs> when i quit in, uh, the city drive i started another one called Lido beach and that was pretty much, I mean, it wasn't my full-time gig cause we weren't on a major label. We were completely DIY. So, um, I worked at a law firm from around 2009. I, I don't have a law degree. I have an English degree. Um, and from 2009 till like a month after I started the management company in like around 2014. Gotcha. So you took so, like an, uh, a 50, little five year break. Uh, well, I haven't toured, toured since like, it's, this will be my bar mitzvah year of not touring like 13 years. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I travel a lot for work and Lido Beach played some like one-off shows everywhere, but yeah, no, I haven't done the van and trailer thing in a long ass time, dude. Yeah. I actually, so when, when Venetia Fair stopped, I took like just time away from the music industry pretty well. I was a booking agent for three years or so, but I had like a three year break of just not doing anything. And then what agent? Uh, I was with artery global for a while. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Why your first guest was Donovan, right? Well, Donnie got me that job. So, Oh <laughs> yeah. Cause we had toured together <laughs> when he was in CM and hail the sun and I was in Paris. So, um, yeah, well, there you go. Um, so what kind of got you into the, the management world? accident. Um, I was doing the law firm thing. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do because I was doing that concurrently because LA is expensive while teaching guitar lessons and playing in two bands, Lido Beach and Greenlight Theory. And when the City Drive was off tour, I would teach a lot of guitar lessons. Okay. And one of my uh, former guitar students who I hadn't heard from in years hit me up and was like, hey, I'd love your opinion on my music. I'm like, you make music? That's awesome. And uh, so she's like, yeah, no, I want you to tell me the truth. And I said, just so you know, like, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I'm from New York. I'm not going to sugarcoat you like they do in L.A. Like, I'm going to give you the hard truth. And she's like, no, everyone has been, like, kissing my ass, and you're going to give me the real. Mm-hmm. So I did. I gave her, like, three pages of notes. She took them. The next show is way better. And then the show after that was sold out. Oh, wow. And so I said – you know, I'm essentially doing what a manager would do when I manage you. That's literally how it started. Like no LLC, no experience, no interning, no assistant, Yeah. just me doing that. And one week later I let her go, but I was like, you know what? I think I could do this. That's cool. So it was just kind of like a, a spur of the moment, just happenstance. Hey, I actually did something that I can see the results for. 
Yeah, well, I literally saw tangible results and I thought about it and I was like, even in bands that I was, you know, we had representation, I was always that dude in the band that was kind of like the TM for the band mm-hmm. or like, you know, like the man, like the guy who like makes sure you get to the venue on time, the guy right. who makes sure everyone wakes up early, the one in charge of a lot of the business stuff. Right. That was just how it always happened, not just because of my Jewish last name, but <laughs> just for some and you know it just it just happened that way and i i welcomed it and i was just like i could do this for other people yeah it's interesting how i feel like a lot of the people that are in the music industry they all had that kind of experience in their you know formative years like playing in bands and shit like just absorbing those roles because when you're in a diy band you have to play all those parts so like for me you know venetia fair i was self booking everything and then i just ended up being an agent from it you know, it's not something that I wanted to do. I had to do it out of necessity. And then mm-hmm. it turned into something I could actually make money from, you know? If you don't have a team and you want to get out of playing house parties with your band, you need to do that work. Right. And it, it is a lot of work and it scares a lot of musicians off, but there's plenty of smart people in bands. Yeah. So. Yeah, and if you don't, if if you're not one of them, just latch yourself on to the right people. Because <laughs> I've had to do that too. <laughs> well, that also sounds like a commentary on our uh, political system. Mm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> if All you're right. not smart, right. latch on to these people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the that's the one key to success everywhere. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. fucking be lechers, dude. What's that? Uh, do the least amount of work possible and just fucking succubus your life mm-hmm. it's dope mm-hmm. it happens <laughs> all right uh, especially music industry that's very true so let's talk about where you're at right now talk tell me about like you know what you're managing because i know you're not just like an artist manager you manage a lot of producers and songwriters in fact i, f- I feel like most of your roster is that which i don't think a lot of people you know that's even deeper behind the scenes than people really even know about so I think people no, would be interested to kind of know that world, you know? That is most of my roster. I would say um, the performers would be Frank Zumo of Sum 41, who I co-manage with uh, Chris Neri. And that's for stuff outside of the Sum world because Frank is doing a solo career that Ice Nine actually would have been a part of uh, Slam Dunk. I would have seen you guys oh, at yeah? Slam Dunk. Yeah, because Sum was headlining and Frank was – playing the kickoff party show oh cool so i was gonna go for that nice and watch you guys and heckle ricky yeah but um <laughs> now you can heckle me but, and ricky next time no now i could do it yeah. I could like, <laughs> but, but yeah i uh i met him uh the underclassman who's a la pop duo and this group in jersey called 18th and addison who actually recorded with john ferrara oh cool and nice. everyone else is is either a producer or a producer writer or just a writer and that also happened accidentally. Some shit I planned, I swear. But that happened accidentally too because as an artist manager, I mean, you could you could definitely echo this as a former booking agent, but sometimes you can manage a band for three or four years and literally not commission a penny. Right. Like not a penny. And so I was just thinking like producers, maybe it might not be as like glamorous or as exciting as – you know, like Ice Nine Kills, like a headline band, but it's steady paychecks because every time they produce a song, you get a cut. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I could speak their language because I was a former full-time musician. So it just happened. Right. But what is, so when you're managing, I think, well, let's, let's dive into this because I think this will be interesting perspective for people. Let's, let's talk about like what, um, what managers actually do, right? Like for the artist that's performing and out there on the road and also for like a producer, an engineer, because that I think is well, so each person individually. Yeah, I think it'd be, we... I think it'd be cool to kind of break that down a little bit. OK, so give me a band and it could be at any level. All right. Let's, any band. let's say let's think of who is who is some of the last people that I had on. Uh, let's go. Do you know Royal Coda, Sergio's band? I know the name. All right, let's do I, one. Uh, Maybe you like. You know. No, no, more. it's fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll still spitball on it. All right, let's um, do it. Are, like, let's do it. Who are they like for fans of like what bands? So like, what, uh, um, it has members uh, 
of Dance Gavin Dance in it. Will Swan is in it. Kurt Travis is also in the band as well. Jo- uh, members of A Lot Like Birds. So it's like that kind of, um, you know, post-hardcore slash uh, proggy kind of sound. Okay, well, this one would be a little bit different because Will Swan, obviously, his priority is Dance Gavin Dance. Mm-hmm. So this would be managing, you know, a side project. So... It's just a matter of trying to find the best outlets to have their music come out. And I know Will has his own label. True, and that's so what they're on. Yeah, Sergio uh, is the VP of that label as well. So the two owners of the label are in the band. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's one. Uh, that might be a bad for- example, huh? <laughs> no, I'll still, it's, it's still fine. I mean, it's basically to make sure that on that end, everything is taken care of dealing with a lot of the minutiae, dealing with relations between publicists, between uh, booking agents, between anyone in marketing, between just anyone in in general, you're the point guy. Mm -hmm. You're the guy that people kind of have to go through to get the band. Right. And obviously when someone hits you up, um, there's a lot of sidebar conversations that I would have with Royal Color, like, hey, how do you want to do this, do that? I mean, if you're part of an Ice Nine Kills text thread, I'm sure God help you, because I bet those get a little bit crazy. There are you know? several different Ice Nine Kills text threads. <laughs> oh, I, I, dude, I get it. Um, the text threads in my phone, like, no joke. Like, I probably have, like, 40 different ones. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, so be careful who's on the thread when you say things. But um, <laughs> basically with this band, it's just about trying to get their career to be as sustainable as possible. But this one would be a little bit tricky because you're dealing with the silver medal priority for all these people. So you ha- kind of have to figure out everyone's schedule and coordinate everything. But I mean, essentially, I feel like for something like that, I'd be a glorified personal assistant. Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, actually, that's not a bad way to put it. I mean, in any way, yeah. I think. It's it's yeah. the way that I've – with the best managers that I've worked with from an agent side and from being in a band, it's always been – someone that can streamline communication and get everyone on the same page and, and guide them to the right answer, right? Whether it's not, it might not be the answer that you wanted or the decision that you had originally thought of, but like it's that supportive voice that kind of is the voice of reason or like an unbiased, like external, not like so tied to like the art of the band. Do you know what I mean? You're like, the well, yeah. you're out of the box. I mean, you, uh, you you play bass for Inc., right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're recording a bass line, you might just be like, fuck, man, this is the greatest bass line I've ever written. And then, like, everyone on the outside are like, yo, man, like, this fits a Jackson 5 song, man. Right. This <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that's song. not me in this band. I'm always trying to play the least possible. <laughs> but well, it but I know what you mean. I know exactly yeah. what you're saying, right? Like, you need it's, – it's the same thing with the producer if you're recording dude, that guitar part, yeah, it looks really cool and sounds fun, but that's not it, you know? It's not it. I mean, it's not about how many notes you play. Sometimes it's just, it's about making the song the best possible. Right, exactly. And the best representation. So that's like a producer, but I guess just as far as a bass player in a band, like the manager has to communicate and the manager has to like try to be as objective as possible mm-hmm. because it's literally impossible for you to be objective on your own song. Right. You can't, you can, and even like stuff like image and direction and, in timeline, all that stuff, having someone to guide you through all that. It's a lot of organization, but yeah, I mean, essentially like I tell my artists this, I work for you. Um, but I'm going to earn my 15%. You have to earn your 85%. Right. Yep. It's a good way to put it. Not someone that does the work for you, but they'll help you get to the right place. I'll help supplant your work. I'm not going to write. I'm a songwriter. In fact, I have been a part of more successful songs than a number of my artists. And I'm not going to write the song for you. Right. I'm not going to produce the song for you. I'm not that guy. I'm not Diddy. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna, you don't just sit on I'm the couch gonna, in the room and get points. Or yell my name like Khaled. That's not me. I just don't do that. You know? That'd be funny. Scott Wolf. Oh, you should. Uh, but, <laughs> no. 
Yeah, well, all right, maybe for your next. Dude, project. that's gonna be the next thing, in, in, in the uh, even in the rock world, you're gonna start hearing producers' names on the track, right before the breakdowns. Rick Rubin, <laughs> Drew Full. Dude, that's okay. the one I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's so funny. good. Um, yep. Motionless and white is back. Yeah, <laughs> be great. Cool. So, yeah. So what is it like with the managing like a producer or an engineer or someone that kind of sits sits in one room all day and just buries their head in a computer? Um, managing a producer, usually the producers, um, at least the ones I've worked with, are really, really hyper intelligent. Mm -hmm. So it's way different than managing a band. I came up with this band analogy once that I think you'll appreciate. So it's a four piece band. No one is on drugs, no one is drunk, um, and everyone can see, and no one is colorblind. I just want you to know that. So I walk okay. into the room wearing my yellow Beatles shirt. The lead singer looks, he's like, oh, that's a sick yellow Beatles shirt. The guitarist is like, yo, that's a sick black Beatles shirt. The bassist looks and goes, oh my God, I love Metallica. And the drummer is taking a shit in the corner. That's what managing a band is like. <laughs> That's great. Dude, that's so good. Very true. You're dealing and with I haven't used that analogy in a long time. It's pretty good. Literally. Yeah. And so managing producer, you're dealing with the guy who knows it's a yellow beetle shirt. And um it if you're managing a producer, um, it's a lot more difficult to launch someone from zero work like no work with anyone else than it is with a band because I managed this band that hadn't played a single show and we got a record deal mm -hmm. with In Vogue Records, you know, mm -hmm. whereas if I managed a producer who had never produced a song, it would take a hell of a lot longer. Right. But typically the producers that I have are ones that have been doing it on their own and they just want help uh, either because they can't do all the admin on their own or they want someone to try to be their ambassador because when you're driving in traffic, you know what bumper sticker annoys me more than even a Trump bumper sticker? What's that? My kid is an honor roll student at this <laughs> school. Yeah. Humble brag? Because – well, it's it, it's not even a humble no, – uh, no. take away humble. It's just a brag. Yeah, it's just but a straight like, up brag. But the thing is is that of course your fucking kid, you, you're proud of your kid and all that stuff. So like when you're trying to sell yourself in an email as a producer, it doesn't go over as well as if you have someone else doing it with like an email address that says a legitimate management company. Right, it's so right. much it's taken so much more seriously because every musician is like, I can fucking do it. Right. And everyone will write so. the same thing in an email at one point in their career and it's going to say, I think I'm ready to take it to the next level. Cool. Tell me Big how many times you've seen that in an email. Uh, this week? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the big things coming from bands on social media. It's mm -hmm. just like, unless you're fucking Paramore, no one gives a shit. Just right. post the news. Mm -hmm. Big things coming. Big, big news here, and then the news. New practice space. Big news. <laughs> we big news, man. Big news, man. Um, our our drummer's brother quit. <laughs> Big news. Oh, shit. What am I going to do? Oh, I love it. Love it. Those are the days, though, Where when Big you? News was great. Local bands. Loved it. Local bands. So fun. Where are you right now? Uh, I actually Where's... just moved out to L.A. Um, oh. Yeah. Where? I'm in Echo Park. Okay, cool. I'm in the Culver City area. Nice. Normally, I'd say let's grab coffee, but now with the pandemic, right. no. Yeah, not a smart <laughs> move. I'm actually flying back home to Boston. Um Wednesday for my sister's wedding. So I'm originally from Boston. Um, oh, I knew that was Nisha. But, yeah, um, right, right, right. Are you going to wear like an Ice Nine Kills outfit? I Yes, I'm going to do full time? crow makeup. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't even know. what It's going to be weird because it's a, a socially distanced, you know, they have, they, they got engaged like six weeks ago and they're doing like very, very quick wedding because they don't know otherwise when they're really going to be, be able to like, you know, no one can actually plan a real wedding right now. So they're like, let's just yeah. do this. And when we can have a party, we'll have a party, which I think is great. So they're doing it at the uh, Boston Public Library and only 10 people are allowed inside. So it's very, oh. very small. 
you know. But that's that's beautiful. Um, how long have they known each other? Now I'm interviewing you. Yeah, I know. They've, they've been dating for um, a few years now. So, okay. Yeah, we're all they excited. It'll be weeks. it'll be fun. What's that? They didn't six weeks ago. No, they didn't meet. They no, they do everything okay. in six week in- increments. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, when did you? Uh, so you're originally from out east too, right? I'm from Long Island. Um, I was born '81. I went to school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, from '99 to 2003. Uh, University of Michigan got my uh, BA in English and moved to LA on right. September 3rd, uh, 2003. So you just been out here right for now, that long? 17 years, almost. Yeah, almost wow. as long as I lived in New York because I lived in New York from zero to 18. So next year at around this time, it'll be equal. Wow. So let me ask you this, all right? Because I'm, I'm very much like an East Coaster, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm all about it. How – are you like an L.A. dude now? Like no. is this where you want to no. be? Uh, Outside, let's, yeah. let's remove any like, you know, need for work and all that stuff. If you could just no. be somewhere, where would you be? New York. New York. But I- – when I started dating my now wife, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of burnt out um, about L.A. Yeah. And I wasn't as happy with my, my friends and connections out here as I was with, like, my, my buddies from home and my buddies from college. It's just different. And I, I wasn't even a manager yet. I was just uh, working at the law firm, uh, teaching and playing in two bands. And I just said, would you be interested in moving to New York? And she said, absolutely not. Um, she has the bulk of her family here. I right, don't. Right. Um, and so I was just like, you know what? Um, you're more important than moving back to New York. And we got married and we bought a house um, three years ago. Nice. So I really hope we're not moving anytime soon. Right, right, right. But you, <laughs> like, are, but you like L.A. Yeah. Yeah. See, no, I like L.A. I like. Did you I, adjust? I mean, did you always like it? Like when you first moved here, were you in? I was I was way in when I first moved here yeah. because it was kind of like starting college all over again except without class. Sure. Yeah, that makes and sense. So, a lot of people out here. Like I, I moved here, I knew two people and I was just like auditioning for bands and just going out every night and having a ball, living on my own for the first time because I don't consider like going away to college living on your own. So I could see um, that. Yeah. Yeah. But I did here and yeah no I, I my adult life with the exception of touring i haven't lived anywhere else mm. see i have i i haven't one it's it's tough for me to even judge it now because i'm in the middle of a i moved here in the middle of a pandemic so it's kind of hard Wait, to judge you, a place what's that when when did you move here uh moved in so our european tour with papa roach and hollywood undead got canceled on the last leg so we flew home right. march 13th and then we i started driving out here on the 26th in march you started driving here like nine days after we've been like self-quarantined oh really yeah yeah i I was self-quarantined when we just got back from tour and then the day i couldn't be i wasn't we drove and then we quarantined again yeah we drove out you drive yeah we drove in my subaru outback with a trailer (laughs) and you're here and we um, did it. Did you come here with a roommate or, or any buddies? My or girlfriend, so- uh, Jess. Oh. And um, she's in the other room. It's on the other side okay. of this wall. <laughs> uh, and then um, guitar player of Ice Nine, Dan, and his girlfriend as well live with us. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Ricky moving here? Ricky, I think, is too settled in in his, like, he's got such a great setup where he is. Like, it wouldn't be sweet for him to move. You know what Lancaster. I mean? Yeah, he's got, like, like the home yeah. studio, the whole basements. Like, he's got the drum room. Can't find that. He's going to be spending so much money to get something like that out here. So, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I doubt it. But, I mean, when things, like, you know, cool off and it's easier for people to travel, I'm sure he'll spend significant time here. Because we have, in our apartment alone, we have two studios with couches and people to crash on and stuff. Because so. it's a four-bedroom so, apartment, but we only use two bedrooms. So, Yeah, so it's pretty nice. Yeah. (laughs) So what's it been like um, in during like this whole pandemic? Like, how have you stayed busy as an artist manager and stuff? 
honestly, I feel like I'm just as busy, but with more monotony. Okay. Because normally, like, for example, if you said, hey, I'm, I'm in L.A. after this show, I'd be like, yo, let's grab a bite. Let's grab a coffee. And that conversation has been completely stripped away. Right. I think that I drove more in one day than I have this entire pandemic. Like yeah. literally like I, I've driven my car like maybe six times this entire time. Yeah. Uh, and before I was constantly going to meetings or I was going to Adobe or I was just going, I was going out to eat. Right. Like I was going all over the place. And so my work, day has been you know it's i'm still doing calls i'm still doing stuff like this um it's just it's mostly from inside the bedroom right yeah so it's the same amount of work but no change of scenery same amount of work no change of scenery and um financially not as well as gotcha, i did yeah. before Thank but I shouldn't complain because I manage producers and writers. So I'm actually still making some money. Whereas a lot of artist managers aren't right. And that's what I was going to ask you have, has business been on, is it more for the writers and producers? Cause I can feel like, I mean, even personally for myself, I've been slammed the past like month. So it's like, I'm just curious if, if, I mean, I know a bunch of other people I've been talking to have been like drowning in work too, but as a manager, are you seeing like, across the board that kind not across of, the board no is it certain, certain genres people. or is it kind of just certain people i have this one guy uh jonathan dolis in louisiana believe it or not who who's just working on like the new cane hill record like that's my one like heavy music producer cool um he is booked until the end of december wow he's slammed wow he's great he's killing it i have some other people like i'm negotiating deals for some people and I've had, unfortunately, some people like John, who it's just the studio was shut down. He does all his work there. Right. Man, that's anything. such a bummer. So, that studio is beautiful, it. too. It's oh, incredible. It's yeah. I can imagine it. Co it's a lot of uh, cost to keep that place going. Well, yeah, when I mean, it's not his. Uh, it's um, Yeah, I forget the, the owner's name. Chris Badami. Yeah. Chris Badami. We did uh, like early November right. and a bunch of like the drive-through stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Portrait. I've never been there. I want to go. Oh, but, it's amazing. Oh, I bet. Um, so some the, the the old school producer like the let's get in the room and jam and have a song like the Rick Rubens, the Brendan O'Briens, they're kind of SOL. But the ones who are like sharing files online and doing remote work, mm -hmm. they're able to do it. And right. some of them are doing really really well, but. I mean, Eric Valentine did um, Queens of the Stone Age, Taking Back Sunday, Good Charlotte, like major, major bands. He's selling his studio. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. So, yeah, it's happening everywhere. I guess studios I could see struggling because people don't want to come into a studio, but – I guess no one does. Right. I, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to um, Matt Squire because he's doing a lot of, you know, just Zoom calls and stuff like that. And we were doing a session with him and he's been remotely producing now, like renting out a live room, shipping out mics to them, all those like modeling mics, and then just connecting to their computer in his room. So it's like he just has his own live, own mixing room. And it's like the, it's still like the live rooms right on the other side of the wall, the wall, you know? Yeah, it's like he's there. It's pretty cool. It, it, no, he's he's wonderful. He's able to adapt to technology, but he also's got a lot of friends in that tech world that can help him get those like seamless latency streams and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's pretty nuts. But but there's a lot of other producers who are kind of like my mom with America Online. Right. Like <laughs> I I had to write literally detailed instructions <laughs> several times, and they just don't get it, and it's sad. Um, but. I can't wait until we're back to normal. Me neither. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What, how do you see the, the industry kind of changing moving forward or, or when do you think we're going to see any return to normalcy with the music industry? Cause I've been feeling like it's one of the last things to come back in full force. Yeah. That you know? live entertainment, like sports and mm -hmm. music and all that stuff. That's, 
I mean, so. but even with sports, at least you can assi- like assign seats. I mean, you can do that with a concert, but it's not the same, you know. I mean, it's still it's 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 like let's just say for the sake of argument, um, Fenway Park is doing a Dropkick Murphy show, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And <laughs> where'd you they, come up with that scenario? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you said Boston, so I just thought of drunk, drunken. Yeah, I think that people. happens like five times a year. But <laughs> uh, you know what? Like, and they sell it out. Yeah, I know. And they're not, you know, a pop group. Nope. So, uh, but the thing is, is that like, let's just say right now they did a show with social distancing and let's just say Fenway Park holds 20,000 people at the minimum or sorry, at the maximum, I'd say like a third of that. Oh, I think less like that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. At the max. I mean, I know, I don't know. I, I did see something about, I don't know if the NFL just said no fans, but I saw even before that, um, at least as far as Foxborough Stadium, which is where the Patriots play, they were only selling 20% of the seats. I overestimated. Yeah, so that's only a fifth. But just think about that because they still have to keep the lights on. Right. They still have to pay the staff. They still have to pay all these people. So, like, for the smaller venues, like the Troubadours of the world, the Mm -hmm. Rocks of of the world, they wouldn't be able to sustain themselves on 20% people buying no, tickets. No, no. Unless every single one of those people bought like a keg of beer. Yeah, or they like just raise ticket prices to a crazy amount, right? Like $100 but who would tickets. Pay for like a local band. Right. Who would pay that? Right. Like even for like, like even like a band like Ice Nine Kills, if you guys were playing like a venue like the Roxy and tickets were like 100 bucks, your fans would be like, so no, fucking asshole. I know. You know? Yeah. It's going to be weird to see, like, how the, you know, who knows when it will happen, but it's going to be, like, everyone watching, like, a small amount of concerts that are just starting to happen, you know, and, like, all eyes will be on that stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Smash Mouth and Trapped recently. (laughs) Right. Oh, man. I totally forgot about that. So... I, I saw – tell me what that was. South Dakota, you know, very, very liberal. No. Right. But a very – like a biker type It was a bike rally where, concert? Like if you and I went there, people would probably be like racist and anti-Semitic towards us. Gotcha. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like that kind of crowd. Um, I used to actually tell people on tour I was Italian and not Jewish because I didn't want like, people to like – Whoa, do you <laughs> – I'm serious. Wow. I'm serious, man. In Mississippi, I heard Oh, I had the, an experience in uh, in Mississippi once. See? Mm-hmm. I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're like, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but this is in South Dakota. It was like a biker type thing. So there was no social distancing, of course. Wow. You know? And so that's what it was all like everyone was. Well, that dude has been pretty vocal about stuff online, hasn't he? Well, Trap's singer is just constantly like he responds to everything. Like I, I think a he's long blocked like there. a lot of the people in my band. Oh, probably. I think. Uh, I know that Tillian had a really good comeback to him. Oh, really? Tillian, yeah. Well, Tillian was just like, "Yo, bro, like, like you, you could talk about your like Pandora numbers or whatever, but literally in every capacity, we destroy you." Oh, that's great. <laughs> wow. But, but you know, like right wing morons don't understand statistics because that's fake news. But the thing is, is that like at this festival, like people were like packed like sardines while these bands are playing. And the singer of Smash Mouth said something insensitive and the singer of Trap literally is sponsored by insensitive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, wow. Are you drinking coffee? I sure am. Jealous. My girlfriend just dropped it off right on my desk. It's great. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. You You should hold on. Oh, I will. (laughs) <laughs> all right man well look um what we do is we always end every episode i, I want to wrap up because i know you done. have huh we're almost done we're almost done because i want to make sure you have time for your haircut too um and actually oh, yeah. i got a writing so session well. in about 20 minutes but um what we always try to end with and and this will be different because uh you know it's been a while since you've been on the road so i don't want to limit to 
a tour story, but we always try to end with just kind of a funny story about something that happened, you know, in the music industry about whoever you want it to be, as long as they're cool with it being said, um, but not like kind of one of those like cute alt press kind of stories. Like, give me some like funny details and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course I do. And I, um, I know I'd be remiss because Josh always mentions it, and I know he's muted right now on the mic, but he always does mention that uh, a lot of them have been pee-related, which we're fans of. A lot of uh, uh, drinking pee, actually. Well, because if you're touring in a van, have you really toured in a van if you haven't peed in a Coke bottle? No, like, no, no. no. Uh, it, no. It, a lot of them have been way beyond that. If if. I'm, I won't spoil it for anyone listening or, or for you, but it's worth going back. And even if you only just listen to a, a section of the episode, the, the episode where I interview the guys in Capstan, they ended mm-hmm. with a fantastic tour story uh, involving pee. <laughs> this is not going to involve pee or It does not have to, but it's just good. <laughs> I told a story that I don't know if you'll lump it in that like alt-press cute category, but I'll tell you a story about – so the city drive, we were on tour. Uh, we, at that time, we had been on Columbia for about two years, recorded an album the year before that was coming out a few months later. And this was like a month and a half, two month tour. And the best part of touring, in my opinion, is going out to eat in cities that you never like ever dreamed you'd go to and i never thought i would go to memphis tennessee Mm. i just never thought i would Mm -hmm. for any reason right and so we were in memphis and this is a two-part story and so we had no idea what we were going to do and we saw this club with a line around the block like around the block and we're just like fuck it let's see if we could use our rock star power so uh and we were not a huge band so i just went to the front and i just said hey i'm and it's Memphis. I'm Justin Timberlake's cousin. And he said that we've been on this list. So can we bypass the line? Not only did we bypass the line, but we got like bottle service. Are you serious? It was like, yeah, you just, because like, it's, it was like real. That's like bold. Name dropping in That's great. Yeah. But, but, but then there's I don't a think that you get away with that now. Uh, 2006 is different. Yeah. And so, um, so I don't know if you remember, um, there was a tour where it was, um, fall Out boy, all American rejects, which is kind of funny. Cause I now currently manage one of the all American rejects, oh, cool. uh, Nick Wheeler, um, Hawthorne Heights from first to last, like Sonny Moore right. from first to yeah. last. Sweet. And, uh, yes, yeah, Skrillex. And, um, who was it? It was, um, the hush sound. Oh, and I'm a big fan of them. They're great. Yeah, they were cool. And so they were playing um, the hard rock, like the joint at the hard rock in um, Vegas. And I I was like, well, the Justin Timberlake thing works. So um, we were there and that show happened the night before. So we went to this like really swanky, like $40 cover Vegas bar. And I was just like, hey, we're, we're Hawthorne Heights. Because we knew that they wouldn't believe if we said we were Fall Out Boy or that we were the Rejects. But I was like, hey, we're Hawthorne Heights. Um, we just played here last night. And the guy's like, dude, your show is amazing. Come in. And so we were able to you know, bypass that. Oh, man, so, I want to get one of those guys on so bad now. <laughs> I think I might have even told them. Oh, I'm story. sure you did. That's great. That's awesome. But. That's so I good. Because, like, they're not a band that people would name. <laughs> so it's just like. You know, what's funny you know, is uh, I don't know if it's just something about Tennessee, but the first time we were in, I was in Tennessee with Ice Nine was um, we had a day off in Nashville and we wanted to go play Top Golf. And the Top Golf there has a venue attached to it, which is beautiful. It's an amazing venue. Okay. Um, and we were like, who's playing at the venue? And it was it was Buck Cherry. And this was in March. And and we had our just our laminates with us. And so we just kind of like flashed them as we walked in. And that's all you really need. You just need a shiny pe- something on, in a laminate and then you're good. If you walk with authority, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can get away with it. If I had done the Justin Timberlake cousin thing or the Hawthorne Heist thing, I was like, <laughs> Like, they'd just be like, dude, no, but 
No, I've also so, done I, it I, pretending to be on the phone and pretending to be mad at someone on the phone. Like arguing about money and just walking through pretending that I'm supposed to be doing that. You know? Yeah, like 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 how dare you like why are you even stopping me? Like you can't you see I'm doing business. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm a big businessman. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, there's the story of fake it till you make it. And yes, both of these stories were me lying, but no one got hurt. No. And I had fun. All in good fun. And you probably made some people's night with them thinking you were Hawthorne Heights. Holy shit. They have a great story Dude. now. And now they're going to listen. Somehow this will get to them 20 years later, like five years from now, right? And then they'll be like, that guy, what the fuck? I've been saying I was yep. hanging out with Hawthorne Heights for like half of my life now. I was just hanging out with a guy who used to manage Ricky Armelina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, that's a pretty good story. I like that one. All right, dude. It doesn't involve Pete. It doesn't involve Pete. I like it. And, 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 and it's real. And I haven't told that story like ever. But no, it's just like this. The, the, the funniest thing to me was that they were impressed that I was the cousin of Justin Timberlake. That's really like, good. And also, where did you like – was that like, did you plan that? No. You just kind of said it. I didn't. Um, the Vegas one was a little bit more methodical because I had previous right, data right, right, from right. the Justin Timberlake thing and knew that they played there the night before, kind of like, lit up like a motherfucking, t-, like Buck Cherry. So. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right, man. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything that um, you would want to promote before we wrap up or – I want you to plug your podcast too. Yeah. Um, we'll start with just uh, Walden Management. You could check out my list of clients at WALDMGMT.com. It's on all the socials, as well as Waldman's Words on Adobe Radio. And if you would like to be on it, because I'd, be I'd be more than happy to have you. That'd be, that'd be um, a lot of fun. Email Emily. What's that? Email Emily. Say, hey, Scott, Emily, the one oh, right, who's right. on copy, badass assistant. Just say Scott said, um, you know, he Joe would be great to have on, um, and we'll probably get you on like September or October. Sure, yeah, that'd um, be fun. And that's on Adobe Radio live every single Tuesday at 5 p.m. your new time zone Pacific. There we go. And 8 p.m. your old time zone Eastern. Rerunning bright and early on Sundays 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern, and yeah, just. I guess those two things would be the most important things to plug. Sweet. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for spending time with us and uh, enjoy your haircut. I, I'm excited to see what you look like in – well, I'll see you not in a half an hour, but I know you'll look different in about a half an hour. Well, actually, my haircut's in a little bit. Oh, okay. Be... I thought you said it was at 11. No, no, no. At 11, I have, I have a call. Gotcha, but, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but I'll be crying from the end of that call till my haircut. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, man. Well, take care. Thanks for spending time with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got Bye. it. See you later, dude. Ambitions on the path is off. East Coast is fading. Overcast art under covers. No other way I need this life. I never thought that I would go so far Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, 
um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>